Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur with your host, Steve Kidd, third-generation minister and 30-year business coach. Listen in as amazing, world-changing authors, speakers, and coaches share their struggles and victories and hear from best-selling authors' insight into how you, too, can live your life as a thriving entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome to Thriving Entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today. I appreciate you so much. So glad for the times that we get to be able to spend together to learn how to live, to laugh, to love, and most importantly, to thrive. Are you living today as a thriving entrepreneur? Maybe you have a regular job and you're like, well, I'm not an entrepreneur. Yeah, you are. You run the business of your life, your family. Oh man, those of you that are stay-at-home moms and you're running a family, talk about business managers. Oh my goodness. Moms do not get anywhere near enough credit for all that they do. You are amazing in all that you do, and we're grateful for you. We thank you for it, and we do hope that you are living today as a thriving entrepreneur. You're so amazing. Thanks for being here with me. Today, we want to talk about abundant life. What does it even mean to live a life of abundance? I mean, we hear all of these things, and of course, abundance immediately brings to mind dollar signs, right? We think about how much money is in the bank account, um, or how much gold we have stashed under the bed, or whatever. And, um, you know, that becomes the one and only definition that we look at when we're talking about abundance. But the truth of the matter is, is if abundance is about how many bills you have, meaning dollar bills, um, then every time you pay a bill, meaning, you know, a phone bill, house bill, whatever, you're less abundant than you are. Rather than being able to look at, you know, say, for example, you put a large down payment on a house, that's going to be a big bite out of your bank account. Does that mean that you're less abundant? Or does it mean that you are so blessed that now you have the ability to move into a new house, a new piece of property, to do, like we're doing right here now, remodels on a house, to replace the things that need to be replaced, and to thank God for the abundance in your life. You see, I mean, both of those are true. The money is now gone. It's no longer in your account. It's in somebody else's account. But does that mean you're no longer abundant? Or does the fact that you had the furnace just replaced and you now have nice warmth to be able to live in is just a sign of just how abundantly blessed you truly are. Yeah, that is what we're going through right now. And I'm very excited about the fact that we've worked out a way to be able to get a furnace in the house because living in central Kansas now, my California blood is not used to any cold weather at all. I'll get back to it. I spent enough years in South Dakota and Michigan and different places like that that it won't take long. But right now, it's cold. <laughs> Actually, today, it's wonderful outside. It's like 80 degrees. But, you know, we've had some cold days and below freezing temperatures, and, and it's an adjustment. But that doesn't mean that I'm not living in abundance. In fact, the very fact that we're living in a house that we have the ability to be able to live and grow and I'm getting a chance to get to Reno, my oldest brother and all the things are the overflowing abundance. And then there's the clients that I get to work with. If you're not one of them yet, I hope the next one will be you. And if you are one of them, oh, I appreciate and love you so much. The difference, the change that you make in this world. What an abundant blessing it is to be able to help the thousands of people that I've helped write, publish, and market their books to bestseller. But more importantly than those thousand, and that's not to diminish how amazing those people are, but even more importantly than that is the literal millions of people that the books that they have written have reached, the lives that they've changed. What a level of abundance that is. To me, that's what it means to live an abundant life, to live as a thriving entrepreneur. 
I've got three really great, amazing guests with three really cool books. You're going to want to get every single one of these books as you listen to these guests. So with that, let's not dawdle anymore. Let's jump right in. Join me in welcoming John Lotta. Hey, John, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me here, Steve. Absolutely. Thank you for being here with us. Tell us a little bit about who you are and how you show up in the world. <laughs> wow, where do I begin? Um, well, let's see. A show's called The Thriving Entrepreneur. Um, when I was a kid, I tried a number of businesses, but uh, always on the side. I worked for 24 years in the grocery business and managed a bunch of stores. And then in my late 30s, I left to start my own company, um, a chemical company, ended up becoming quite large, but I managed to lose all my money and then some to begin with. <laughs> I got $650,000 in debt. Uh, it was horrible, uh, but I was able to rectify everything. And then it was rocking for a while. And I struggled through 2008 and it was rocking for a while after that. And then I sold it. And uh, so today I am now a book author and I'm out there kind of promoting my new book, The Synchronicity of Love. Ooh, that sounds like a fun name. So um, help us first define a couple of uh, terms that are in that title. Okay. Um, how do you define synchronicity? Yeah, so synchronicity for me feels like uh, what my rational mind used to just chalk up to, well, that was a coincidence. And uh, what I wanted to explore in that title was the more that we move towards, uh, difficult as it can be sometimes, trying to move through the world in uh, unconditional love, unconditional love for others, for yourself, for work, employees, salespeople, customers, uh, the more uh, magical things just start to happen. And I, I call the term synchronicity. It's a little bit like being a gambler on a good you know, kind of a streak of good luck. It's like a red carpet being rolled out in front of you. Uh, things get, you know, work is still hard sometimes. Somehow things get easier. There's a sense of being sort of supported that maybe the, the world is uh, kind of an abundant, helpful place and not the other way around. Um, but mostly it feels like what I would normally have attributed to a coincidence or miracles, an awful lot of them happening over and over and over again. So is there any way to control synchronicity or is it like, uh, you know, you equated it to being a gambler where, you know, they go on good streaks and they go on bad streaks. I yep. mean, is it a little more controllable than that? Well, um, I, I don't, I don't like to use the word control. I, I would say whatever your way of looking at the world is. So some might say, you know, an alcoholic might at, at rock bottom say, and maybe their Christian might say, I surrender to Jesus. Uh, somebody else might say, you know, let Jesus take the will. Another person might say, not my will, but thy will. So like God just take charge. Some other people might equate it with like, I have a soul and, I, and the more I, as I know myself to be in alignment with that soul, the more miraculous things start to happen in your life. So I don't know if it's about control so much as what each individual perceives to be alignment. So how do we then get ourselves in line with the synchronicity so that we can, I'm assuming that synchronicity of love has to do with then being in a state of being loving or being loved? Is that what you're going after? Kind of. I mean, the way it felt to me was, uh, you know, more like gratitude. And, you know, there's a lot of books, uh, a lot of entrepreneurial books about just trying to keep yourself in that state of gratitude all the time. You know, they call it an attitude of gratitude. It sounds kind of cheesy, but it actually really works because the mind you know, I, I have a company at a chemical company and, you know, chemical companies are difficult. There's a lot of regulations and rules and bureaucracy and, uh, you know, a lot of sales and we're selling to all the biggest retailers. And um, uh, let's see, I forgot where I was going with that. Sorry, a little bit of a, a slip there, but um, um, I got to come back. What was your question again, Steve? I'm hot so let's talk uh, in more detail then about um, how we find the synchronicity of love. What, what's the core concept of your book? Well, so I'll give you an example. So I owned my company for a lot of years. And in 2017, a lot of things started to go wrong. And I realized my heart wasn't in the game anymore. 
Uh, I've been in it for a long time. It's a tough business. Uh, and my, my right-hand man uh, in my company, Julie was her name. She was tired of all the logistical issues and she wanted to quit. And I just suddenly realized, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to sell the company. And I, I think, you know, um, football coaches, NFL coaches, basketball coaches, college coaches, they sometimes sit down when their contracts come to an end and they have to take a little time and decide, do I still have the fire in the belly? Do I still want to keep going with this? And so I think that to find that synchronicity, which to me feels like alignment, feels like, um, where do I want to go now? And am I willing to follow that voice? And because that voice said, you need to sell your company. And I'm glad I did. I got it sold three months before COVID hit. <laughs> so, um, and so I was really lucky. I kind of listened to that nagging voice. And so I think everybody knows that quiet, subtle voice inside that says, no, you need to do this. But sometimes they override it just out of habit uh, and a million other reasons. And so I, I call it intuition. Some people might call it God. Some people, the soul. I, there's a lot of different things. If you align with that, things just seem to go easier for you. And more and more little and big coincidences and miracles will begin to happen in your life. So what is, and this is totally an unfair question. I get it. Okay. Um, it's like asking you, which one is your favorite kids? But um, what is your favorite part of the book? Oh, that's a good question. Um, So I wrote 119 short stories. Um, they're all basically true stories. And because that's the way I learn. I like when other people write autobiographies and share their experiences because that's how I learn best. And I have a somewhat a short attention span. So I like stories like that, the kind of thing I could just open to randomly and read it at bedtime. Um, I'm not sure I have one favorite story, I but I do... Uh, there's a lot of spiritual experience kind of stories in there, but at the same time, I tried to, I wrote a whole chapter on selling my company and, uh, and I'm going to call it real kind of boots on the ground kind of stuff too, not just spiritual experience kind of stuff. I wrote a chapter in there about my daughter had a difficult time uh, going through uh, drug abuse and alcoholism. And thank God we came out on the other end of that. And, and so uh, I don't think there's any one part of the book Every single chapter felt like a stage in my life where I was engaged in learning something and integrating something. And then when I was done, I would move on to the next thing. So for a person whose life feels chaotic and they're not listening to that inner leading like you did, um, what's a good way to start, uh, you know, re realigning yourself so that you can tune into that synchronicity? Yeah, just real simple things. Um, you know, when life feels chaotic, I always say walking cures all ills. How many times I left my office and said, I'm going for a walk. And 20 minutes later, I would settle down and feel like, okay, I know what I'm going to do now. Uh, just simple things, going for a walk, uh, maybe going for a walk alone too, being alone with your thoughts, uh, remove yourself from if there's any outer world chaos. Uh, second thing I always recommend is journaling, trying to get all those thoughts out on paper. You know, some people call it a brain dump. Let it all spill out, the good, the bad, the ugly, let it all spill out. And then you can kind of look at it. And <clears throat> both of those are two really simple things to kind of get a hold on, uh, you know, to bring a little order to chaos in your life. Uh, there's a lot of other things you could do. Uh, meditation, of course, is really popular. I highly recommend that. Uh, but just the simplest would just be uh, journaling without thinking, getting it all out on paper, going for a walk. Uh, removing yourself from the chaos if you can, give yourself some time alone, maybe a walk in nature. I think things will right itself. I have found so much of the time that big problems don't seem so big after I go walk for a little bit, journal for a little bit, they seem manageable, but at the time they might seem unmanageable. That's a good step. So um, what happens if we don't? I mean, what if we just choose on purpose to not live in the synchronicity, <laughs> what, uh, what, are, what will our lives look like? Well, uh, I, I, I don't want to judge good or bad, but I think um, 
you're more likely to stumble through life by what feels like fate and accident. Uh, when you're in alignment, it's, it's a really hard thing to describe. It both feels like you've given up control and yet you have more control. And so um, if you're not following that alignment, I, I would loosely say more shit happens. Unexpected shit happens. Ah, shit, now what? <laughs> um, and but that alignment, I, I you know, want to say in some ways it might steer you around some of the boulders that are in the middle of the river that you're flowing down uh, rather than crashing into them. I love that. So um, now with your new book, you're out promoting the book. Do you have uh, courses or things like that that you're teaching off of this as well? I don't. That's on my list. Uh, I, almost everybody has a new book is trying to, you know, sell themselves as a coach or courses in person, online. Uh, I'm not doing that right now. And maybe it's because I did sell my company three years ago. I am sort of semi-retired. I enjoyed the process of writing the book. I'm working on three others at the same time. And I'm somewhat enjoying the process of marketing the book. You know, I'm not unfamiliar with marketing. When we had, uh, when I had my company, we had a number of brands, but we always marketed the brands. Um, and so I and the company, we would tend to hide behind our brands. So people know about say Tide, but they don't know that much about Procter & Gamble. And so that was us. We would always promote the brands. And so it's a little new promoting myself and my book. So <laughs> it's kind of a little, uh, it's a little bit of discomfort with vulnerability. So that's where I'm going right now is I'm just trying to um, market my book. That's all. Well, that's awesome. So where is the book available for people to get it? Uh, it's available on uh, Amazon.com. I think all the platforms, Barnes and Noble, but Amazon be the best way to find it. And the full title is The Synchronicity of Love, Stories That Heal, Transform, and Awaken. Well, I love that. Um, any last words for us about how to live in the synchronicity of love? Uh, the first thing I would say is if that sounds appealing to you, and it doesn't um, for some people, because the synchronicity of love feels a little bit like harmony. And I, I admit when I was younger, harmony was not something I was interested in. When I was young, I, harmony didn't sound the least bit appealing to me. But if living in that state of synchronicity where little little coincidences start to happen, a little more than you might imagine, little miracles start to happen, I would say just ask. You know, I want that kind of life. I want to be in alignment, whatever that looks like for me. I want to experience that synchronicity of love. And uh, simply stating that intention with sincerity will start a lot of balls rolling. And uh, I think a lot of miraculous things can happen just beginning with that. That's perfect. I love that. Well, John, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Awesome. Thank you so much, Steve. Invite love into your life. Enjoy it. Let it in. Flow with it. And more than anything, live the abundant life that a life synced in with the synchronicity of love can have and do as you live and thrive as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take a first commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity, and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far, and then it just fell off the face of the planet, kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny.
Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today as we talk about abundant life. What can you do to live your life abundantly, exceedingly abundantly, above all that you could ask or even think? What does an abundant life look like? Did you get some stuff out of our first book about our first guest talking about the synchronicity of love? Well, let's move on now and see if we can get you some more information to help you live an abundant life. Let's jump right in. Join me in welcoming Shira Miller. Hey, Shira, how are you doing today? I'm good. How are you, Steve? I am so good. Thank you. Um, So tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. I'm sure. Well, I am a two-time TEDx speaker. I'm also the chief communications officer at a $2 billion corporation. I'm a certified executive coach, and I wrote a book that is called Free and Clear, Get Unstuck and Live the Life You Want. So what were your TED Talks about? One TED Talk was called Stop Apologizing When You Haven't Done Anything Wrong, because that is a problem that um, many people have, especially women. It can really diminish your confidence and your success at work and in your personal life. So that that one has been the most popular one. And the other TED Talk was called Five Ways to Let Go of a Dream and Learn How to Pivot in Life When Things Don't Go the Way You Planned. Mm, Love that. Love both of those. And what did you say the name of your book was? The book is called Free and Clear, Get Unstuck and Live the Life You Want. Mm. So... What does it mean to you to be free and clear? For me, free and clear means that you have overcome obstacles or different forces that have been holding you back in life. When you're free and clear, you're living in alignment with your true authentic self and your purpose. How does a person, I mean, so many people I meet, they're not even totally sure who their true authentic self is. So how do they define that so that they know that they are living in alignment with that? Well, there's a couple of things that you can do. And by the way, I have a complimentary quiz on my website at shiramiller.com where people can find out how they're stuck in a major element of getting people stuck. One of the top seven is that people are not what I call you doing you. So they're not living in alignment with their authentic self. Um, The best way to know if you are is to get clear about what your values and your key strengths and your purpose are in life at the same time that you're thinking about what you'd like your desired state to be. You know, for example, in your desired state, it might be the absence of struggle or it might be the presence of joy in my life most days. So it's understanding those factors, and then you can find out if you're living in accordance with them. Mm. So I'm assuming that the book then starts you from the quiz and walks you through the process of being able to do that? It does. It's a step-by-step process. You find out how you're stuck, and then you go through what to do about it and the steps. Honestly, I can help you find your purpose, how to get clear about that. Um, And then different steps like how to practice forgiveness, how when you have the choice to veer towards optimism over pessimism, how to um, practice gratitude, how to prioritize well-being. And it's a step-by-step process. And then after that, you know, Steve, we're all human and we're not perfect. So even after you get to a place where you feel like you've conquered something, you know, you might slip. You might regress a little bit when things get tough. So I have a whole section on taking internal assessments, how to get back in alignment with getting unstuck when you face that and make it a long-term state of well-being and happiness. Man, I was hoping you were going to tell me, and after you do this, then you will actually have achieved perfection. (laughs) (laughs) Perfection? (laughs) Yeah, that is the punchline, right? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So totally unfair question, like asking you, which is your favorite of your kids or your dog? Um, But what is the part of the book that stands out to you the most today? Gosh, you know, I like the fact that people can diagnose, you know, it's uh, take the test, figure out what applies to you. So my favorite part is that it makes it easy 
It's step by step. There's not a, oh my gosh, you've got to go away for three months and lock yourself into a dark room and concentrate. You can pick out things from each step that can make a difference. Um, an exercise that happens to be my favorite from the book is something that I call a reverse bucket list. And this is helpful when you are feeling self-doubt, when you don't trust yourself. And this exercise helps you build confidence. And so you're familiar with the term bucket list, which is an aspirational list of things you want to do before you kick the bucket. You know, you keel over one day. And in a reverse bucket list, what you do is make a list of everything you've already accomplished. And I encourage people to write down everything. It could be, I went to college. I found a wonderful romantic partner. I raised great kids. I got promoted at work. And make the list as long as you can. And then from that place, when you stand apart and look at that list, it really serves as your evidence of how capable you are and that you can overcome so many things, including how you were presently stuck in life. That's so powerful because, you know, all too often we are so busy critiquing what we did wrong just a minute ago that we forget to give ourselves credit for even accolades for all of the stuff that we've done across the course of the whole of our life. It's true. People don't stop to celebrate the wins and the victories. And when you don't savor it, life can really just, you know, become one step after the other that it's hard when you don't stop and celebrate and savor. It just feels like it's all work and there really is no sense of being. It's like you've always got to be doing. So some people struggle celebrating themselves. You know, they throw parties for everybody in the whole world, but never for themselves. What would be a good way for a person to begin to start celebrating themselves? To look for the victories. We have to make a conscious choice of seeing what we're doing right and what we need to savor. And there's an exercise in the book. It's a reframing exercise at the end of a chapter on how to become more optimistic. And because optimism, by the way, increases your resilience and you can overcome so many different challenges in that way. So it's looking for it. And you can look at the same kind of situation and look for the upside. For example, I've talked to so many different people who were impacted by the pandemic, um, who made you know different choices in their lives. Um, in my own life, my husband used to travel every week. I was gone frequently for work myself. And one of our upsides that we found was, you know, not only do we love each other, we like each other. We like being together. So he works totally different now. We get to spend so much more time together. And so that became a victory, something that we celebrated from, you know, a difficult time with the pandemic. We learned how to have more proximity and ongoing quality time together. That's so good because, I mean, we could just do a whole show just on couples learning how to not just love each other, but actually like each other too. <laughs> yes, that they don't necessarily go hand in hand. That's true. Oh, I love that. So what would you say is the thing that gets in the way the most? What, what keeps people in that stuck space? A lot of times it's not having belief in yourself. You don't trust your own capabilities and decision-making or you can't see what's possible. You might be trapped in a comfort zone and have fear. You don't wanna change, or um, you might be inauthentic because you're scared of rejection. So, you know, if I had to underscore it in two words, let's say, I would put fear and I would put distrust of yourself. Mm. That is so much, I mean, again, with the whole show, just on distrusting yourself. So you've done a TED Talk before about really showing up authentically and those kind of things. Um, let's talk a little bit more about what is it that we're feeding, if you will, that keeps us in that spiral of distrusting ourselves? 
you're feeding a couple of different things. Have you ever heard the term inner saboteur? Yes. Okay, so the inner saboteur is that negative little voice in your head that is talking trash about you to you. And it pulls you down. Um, it's self-criticism. Some people call the inner saboteur the inner critic. And when you don't trust yourself, you're feeding into that. You're going to the worst case scenario. You don't believe in your own capabilities. I know people who are incredibly successful in some part of their life. They're in the C-suite of big companies. They might have an incredible relationship. They might have tremendous wealth, but because they don't trust themselves in another area, they're not gaining as much fulfillment and happiness as they could. So besides the fact that people need to get your book free and clear and probably go on the internet and listen to both of your TED Talks as well, um, what's one piece of advice? What's something that somebody who's been listening to us for the last few minutes could do right now to begin to start becoming free and clear? The easiest step, which I recommend is the first step, is to take a pause. And a pause doesn't have to be something dramatic like a big vacation, you know, across the country. A pause can just be a break of several hours several days if you've got it, but let's say two to three hours from your normal life where you step away from your smart devices. You just get into a quiet place and you start thinking about your life and what challenges you might have. Because when we're constantly doing 24 seven and feeling like we've got to answer every text and notification and constantly have to be on, we don't get time to really think clearly. We're trapped in a reactive state. So I would recommend the first step is to just take a brief pause from your life. Look honestly at your circumstances, identify how you're stuck. You know, you can take the quiz and then figure out what you want to do from that point. So let's talk a little bit more about the quiz. If somebody wants to take the quiz, uh, where can they find it at? Go to my website and that is Shira, S-H-I-R-A. Miller.com. And it's right there on the front page. You can take it. It'll identify how you're stuck. Some people are stuck, Steve, in multiple areas. So if that happens, you know, it's key to prioritize what you want to tackle first. Uh, and then from that, I've got lots of different articles. I've written over 100 different articles that have been published, you know, Ariana Huffington's Thrive Global on Medium, LinkedIn, that talk about well-being at home and at work and how to get unstuck. And so I've got that content as well as the different steps in the book. And some of the people I know, they're just already, they're like, can't we work in more detail with you? Uh, do you work with people? And if so, what kind of people do you work with? At this point, uh, in addition to being a speaker and a writer, I have a full-time C-suite corporate job. So I'm not working with individuals, but by the end of the year, I will be launching a webinar series that will take people through free and clear and give a lot more individual attention to your journey in that process. And they would find out about that at shiramiller.com as well? Yes, you can sign up for my mailing list and get a newsletter and, and receive information on that or follow me anywhere at the Shira Miller. So it's the Shira Miller. Just because the Shira Miller was taken, that's why I added the B. <laughs> Love it. So uh, before we end today, Leave us with some words of encouragement about how we can live our life free and clear. What I want people to understand is there is no time or age limit. You can get unstuck no matter where you find yourself in life. You could be young. You could be relatively new to adulting and starting your life and career. You could be in midlife facing lots of different pressures through a family that is growing up. Maybe you've put everybody else first and it's finally time to start focusing on yourself. You could be um, later in life where you're trying to define your legacy. And at any of these points, when you find yourself facing obstacles, it's never too late or too soon to get unstuck. That's amazing. Thank you so much, Shira. Thanks for being on the show with us here today. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you, Steve. What life do you want to live? 
Are you living the life you want to live? If not, how do you get unstuck from where you are and move on to living the life that you want to live? Or even defining what life it is you want to live so that you do know how to live that. I hope that you got some good tips on how to do that and that you will continue down that process as you live the life you want to live. You succeed, you thrive, you live an abundant life as a thriving entrepreneur. We're going to take another commercial break and then we'll be right back here on Thriving Entrepreneur. Don't go away. If you're an author who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. <laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity, and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far, and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling go to yourbestsellertoday.com schedule a talk with steve it's risk-free it's guaranteed it's proven we've done it thousands of times what are you waiting for yes yourbestsellertoday.com this time next week you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve reach the people that you came to serve come on now what are you waiting for grab a pen here we go all you got to do is book a call yourbestsellertoday.com go to yourbestsellertoday.com book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. Welcome back to Thriving Entrepreneur. This is Steve. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. What are you getting out of this? Are you learning and thriving and getting more ideas about how to have an abundant life and about what really it means to have an abundant life? Whether you're getting free and clear and unstuck or you're learning the synchronicity of life or how you really truly thrive. What does it mean to be abundant? And can you live that abundant life? Let's now go into, because of course I know some of you have been thinking this whole time about abundance and money. Let's talk a little bit about money and see what we can do to create some abundance in that side of your life as well. And with that, I've got another amazing author to introduce to you that's going to talk to us about that very thing. Let's jump into it. Join me in welcoming John Sarasani. Hey, John, how are you doing today? Good. How you doing, Steve? Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm doing really great. Tell us a little bit about you and how you show up in the world. <laughs> Thanks. So, so many different paths I could go on, I guess. Um, I, uh, I'm a native of Chicago suburbs and uh, spent time there as well as Los Angeles, where I have a second home. And uh, I'm a venture capitalist and uh, about to release my second book, The 2000% Raise. Ooh, well, that sounds interesting. Tell me a little bit about how I can give myself a 2000% raise. <laughs> well, sure. So, so the, the, the baseline of the book is encouraging people to reevaluate their position in corporate America, everything that we've been conditioned by society to think as the, um, as the path for us, where, where, you know, um, um, Working for the man and building your way up that corporate ladder is is the is the way to go. Whereas entrepreneurship and taking risks is is, is the wrong path. Um, it, it it encourages the reader to look at life a little bit differently than that. And um, I use myself as a guide behind that. Um, whereas I left corporate America, started my own company, doing the exact same thing from my kitchen table, and in turn. The two thousand percent raise was was born. Um, we uh, we got a lot a lot going on around it. Um, there's a lot of activity around uh, around the movement on um, social media. Two thousand percent raise.com is the website, and um, it'll be you know released everywhere once the podcast and the book come out uh, this fall. That is awesome. Now you've worked with some pretty well known names. Um, I won't name drop unless you want to, but are there any of the people that you've worked with that um, you'd like to mention? 
<laughs> sure. I mean, for purposes of a podcast, I suppose it makes me more interesting. I'm not typically one to name drop either, Steve, but um, yeah, I mean, I'm in a couple of business ventures with Aaron Rodgers, all these, any sports fans probably familiar with Kevin Garnett. I'm also in one with Kevin Hart. Um, uh, really one I'm really excited about is when I'm in with Jaleel White, who has become a very good friend of mine, um, with a cannabis company and Jaleel played Steve Urkel on family matters back in the day. So he's kind of a, a Hollywood icon if, if you, uh, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so obviously you must live somewhere in the Los Angeles area or do you just travel out there a lot? I have a place in West Hollywood. Um, I have a condo in West Hollywood. Uh, anybody familiar with the Sunset Marquee Hotel? I'm very close to that. Perfect. So when we think about, um, you know, starting from nothing and building it to something, there's an element that seems to be missing a lot of times in there. Um, what is the thing that creates that success versus, you know, the... 80% of businesses that never go anywhere. Yeah. So what I preach and, and really encourage um, people that have that entrepreneurial bug to do is to gain experience in that space prior to, to starting your company. So get a job in corporate America, learn the trade, learn the different verticals of the industry and be well-prepared um, versus that 80% you just referred to that go out of business. They're typically not well-prepared. Um, they were able to get a bank loan or they were able to get capital from somebody to help fund their dream, but they're just not part of that space, maybe other than being a customer in it. Um, and, and it comes with fit pitfalls. They, they don't know if they're cut out for that industry. And, um, you know, you have people losing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars, if not more, you know, trying something out without that proper preparation. I even see it, Steve. With, with franchises, you know, the, this whole franchisee model on a much, you know, much smaller scale than, than what I'm talking about is, is people like decide, Hey, I want to start a subway. I want to start a Jersey Mike's. And, you know, it's like, dude, are you sure you want to do that? You know, are you really going to leave your job as a teacher to go do that? I mean, are you sure this is even what you want to do? You haven't been in that industry. You just like their sandwiches. Um, so I, I, I always really encourage people to, to, um, you know, participate in that industry uh, prior prior to starting any type of business within it. So, you know, because you're a venture capitalist, I always am uh, interested to hear people's answer to this question. What is the difference between, you know, you borrow money from friends and family, um, what we typically refer to as an angel investor and venture capitalists? Where, where do you draw the line? <laughs> Good question. It, you know, it's, it is semantics. Um, I draw the line around the uh, based on the check size. Okay, so there's really no black and white and you're going to get people that write $1 million checks that prefer to be called angel investors. To me, I think I think, generally speaking, the connotation with an angel investor is someone that's giving you five or 10 grand. Um, and then once you start writing 100, 150,000, $200,000 checks, it kind of transitions more into what I would call an early stage venture capitalist versus an angel. Um, but, but really, they're, they're both the same thing. So how do you know when you're, I mean, other than just the raw, uh, you know, I need $150,000 or I need $500,000, how do you know when your company is ready to bring in a venture capitalist? Yeah, well, I'm going to tell you what, um, if you have an existing company that's actually doing something good, um, it'll make it a lot easier to raise money. If you have revenue coming in the door and um, you you want to bring, you know raise, say, a million dollars to build locations, and it's going to take a lot longer to do just based on current cash flow, whereas uh, uh, an infusion of capital will allow that to happen a lot quicker and you could, and you could prove that with your numbers. Um, you know, that's, that's a, a great recipe to attract the attention of, uh, different VCs to, to want to be a part of that capital raise, um, versus a, a lot of what I see will, will be the very early stage where it's pre-revenue. They don't even have any money coming in the door yet. And it might even be developing the concept or, or even developing the technology behind it. 
you know, I'm, I'm in one right now um, that I just got involved with a couple of years ago, but, but the first dollars were actually raised back in, you know, 2014. Now that included developing all the software, developing the cloud-based system, getting it, getting it approved um, by, by various governing bodies for the type of work it's in. But from a profitability standpoint, you know, we're just getting profitable now because the first four years were really development. So, um, but, but this is also potentially a billion dollar opportunity. So, so you, 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 you get involved in these kind of knowing or, or looking at them in terms of, okay, what's, what's the long haul going to be? And some venture capitalists or will uh, almost operate more like private equity, where they're looking to churn revenue immediately, all right, versus an earlier stage VC is going to be, okay, this is not going to be liquid and we're not going to be seeing our dollars for quite some time. I'm not sure it would be helpful to the listeners, but sometime you and I should have a conversation as to, um, you know, how you do that and still pay all of your own bills when you're, you know, making a long-term play versus the, you know, I can get my money out in 12 to 18 months kind of. A thing. <laughs> oh yeah. It's, I mean, I'm going to tell you right now, you better have the capital to do it because uh, yeah. If you're, if you throw a 200 grand into an early stage deal and you actually need that money, uh, you should not be in that deal um, because you're not going to be seeing that money anytime soon. Yeah, absolutely. So um you know, somebody's listening, they really could use the funding to get them to the next level. Um, what do you like to see from a person when they pitch you on, okay, hey, John, you know, write me a check, basically, is what they're really saying. <laughs> well, first and foremost, you, you want to have a professional slide deck put together, a pitch deck put together, um, typically a PowerPoint presentation that's that's put into a PDF that really outlines what the opportunity is, um, where the opportunity came from, um, and, and how much money will be raised, as well as um, what the money is going to be used for. Um, and then uh, you, you, you want the investor to have a, a level of confidence in, in what you're what you're pitching them. You know, I've, I've been pitched things in the past where, you know, a company is raising a half million dollars and uh, they're trying to take on Instagram, you know what I mean? Or be the next freaking Twitter or something. And it's like, bro. <laughs> You think you're going to do this with a half a million dollars? It's head scratching. You know what I mean? It's not going to happen. So, so you'll 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 want it to also be realistic, where where it demonstrates the founder's um, business acumen in uh, in understanding it. Because I, I want a founder to be the expert. I don't want to be looking at it like, well, actually, you should be doing this. You know, no, that founder should be presenting me with something where he's the expert. He he's able to answer any questions I have. I turn a stone over and you know what? He knows what's under it. Mm, I love that. Mm -hmm. You know, you were saying earlier about the concept of working in that field before you just jump out and start your own company. Yep. Um, do you think that possibly there's some merit in doing a small Kickstarter or GoFundMe or whatever kind of campaign to you know, see if you have what you need to begin to start raising funds before you start hitting up people like you or, or is that? Yeah. So the, the crowdfunding thing I think is, is fine. You know what I mean? Especially if it's something that would attract attention. I don't, I don't, I don't see any, any issue with that. And, you know, it kind of takes some pressure off the founder too. And in, in, from a crowdfund crowdfunding perspective, because even when you raise money from friends and family, it, it, it's uh i mean there is pressure on you man like you better like you know especially if you're taking smaller check sizes like you're from your uncle and your cousin and your buddies from college for 10 grand each dude yeah that, that's like everyone was going to want to see their money back you know what i mean they're, they're gonna they're gonna want to know what's going on they're gonna be checking in with you whereas from a crowdfunding perspective you know, maybe everyone's only throwing in 500 bucks and they're complete strangers. Um, and you're still able to raise the same kind of capital. Um, yeah, you don't have to deal with that, you know, I guess that that pressure. Um, 
Now, all that said, any entrepreneurism money period should have the utmost confidence in the world that his plan is going to work. There should not be some shot in the dark. So having said that, maybe everything I just said shouldn't matter because it's going to work anyway, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, what would be the one piece of advice that you would give somebody before they start putting together their slide deck and going out and trying to raise money? I would say, make sure you can't just do this on your own, man. <laughs> because if you could just do it on your own and get the money elsewhere, it's a lot better than bringing in investors, really for all the reasons I just said a second ago. Um, but also you own 100% of the company then too, okay? And, and if you have access to capital, you know, with equity in your home, 401k, whatever, you're going to have to tell potential investors why you're not pulling that money out and why you need 50 grand from me when you got 150 grand equity in your home. And if the answer is you don't want your wife to know, that's going to be a red flag. Everybody should be all bought in to whatever the heck they're doing. You're trying to go to other people for money for you to chase your dream and you're not willing to go all the way with your own equity, no, nah, that's not going to fly. That's not going to fly for me. So, so um, if you're not going to do it, you better have a good answer on why you're not going to do it because that'll be the first question a lot of investors ask you. I love that. Um, you know, you mentioned some of the risks. So let's take a second. What are the, um, you know, what are the downsides? What's the things that people should know before they start taking other people's money? Well, you got to do it right, man. You're, you're raising, you're raising money. Uh, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta be a governor. Uh, a, you gotta be a good, um, a governor of, of those, of those dollars. You know, there's, there's laws. You can't just go collect money and be all willy nilly with it. Um, you know, you're depending on how you structure it. You might have, you know, the SEC looking over your shoulder. Um, you definitely want to make sure you're doing it right. Um, or, you know, a safe agreement, S-A-F-E is the acronym, simple, simple um, agreement for future equity is what it stands for. Um, you know, get a lawyer to set that thing up for you and, and, and structure it in a way. And, you know, a, a lot of these entrepreneurs that never had any money personally turn around and now all of a sudden you have a couple hundred grand in a bank account that only you have access to. I'm sure that that temptation is there to go spend that money. Um, and you can't, you can't. E even if you go spend it on the, your damn business the proper way, you should still be disciplined. Treat it as if it was your own. Would you have spent, you know, 30 grand testing out some SEO stuff or, you know, Facebook sponsored ads? Would you have spent 30 grand on that, figuring out if it works or not? Or we just spent two grand on it and been very, very careful to figure out the right recipe um, if it was your own money. You know, treat that money as if it was your damn own money. That's that's the biggest and because it kind of is your own money, too. But, um, you know, it's, 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 it's just always interesting how when you give money to people that aren't used to having it for all the right reasons, how like totally able they are to mismanage it. So um, for people that are listening, what kind of people do you like to invest with? Who, who should be hitting you up? Um, I want people to see, I want to see people that have grit. Um, I, I, you know, I want the person to be likable. It's, it's got to be somebody I, I want to spend time with and be on the phone with. And he's have certain attributes of, of his character that I just, you know, would like to have as part of my team or be part of his team in, in their lives. Um, you know, the, a lot of times that likability comes with a person being somewhat humble, but at the same time, when they're humble, I don't want them to be that to be confused with passive. If you're too passive, I can't trust that you're going to be able to take this company to the promised land. So I do want to see that grit in the person, um, you know, and then beyond that, the, the idea itself, I mean, the idea itself just <laughs> obviously just needs to make sense. Uh, even if I, even if I love you and you're the grittiest guy in the world, if I, if I think the idea sucks, then uh, we, we'll move on probably. We could be friends. 
So um, for somebody who wants to take it further with you, how can a person get in contact with you? Sure. Probably my Instagram is the best way. Um, uh, John Sarasani, C-E-R-A-S-A-N-I. Um, and then I'm pretty active. Yeah, there's probably the best best way, Steve. And watch out for John's new book coming out soon, 2,000% Raise. John, thanks so much for spending some time with us here on the show today. Thanks, Steve. Just like I said in the interview, oh, man, I want a 2,000% raise. I'm sure you do, too. And again, it's another one of the books that we presented to you today that you really need to have in your library so that you can have the abundant life that you are meant to have. Yes, financially, but in every other way, too, so that you can live and love and thrive and be happy in all that you're doing. You can see the purpose behind it, even in the days when it seems hopeless or questioning as to why is it that things are going the way that they are. One of the things I love the most about abundant life is that it's not about perfect. It's not about the fact that everything always goes right, that everything's perfect, that your bank account is flooded with money. It's about the fact that life is what life is. And as you go through and as the circumstances of life happen, you are thriving in the midst of it. Your abundance comes not from everything being perfect, but rather from the things that you struggle with and then overcome. It becomes a nature of success for you to be able to really live and love and thrive in all that you do. That's an abundant life. When the rain falls, when it's cold outside, when you have struggles financially, when all of the things that happen in all of our lives happen for and to you, you can look at it and you can say, it is well with my soul. I love that song. I don't know if any of you remember the hymn, it is well with my soul, but I'll tell you a quick story. The gentleman that wrote that just before he wrote it had found out that his entire family had died traveling on the trip from England to the United States. And he sat down and penned the song, It is well with my soul, that no matter what happens in this world, it is well with my soul. What a place for us to be able to get to where we know what is really, truly important and that even when the worst of things happen, we can know that you are uniquely brilliant. You were created for a purpose and the world needs you. That we can learn and live and love and grow. That we can live an abundant life, exceedingly, abundantly above all that we could ask or even think. That we can live thriving and truly free. What an amazing way to live our life when we have that kind of abundance, that in the midst of the storm, in the midst of the chaos, when all hell is broken loose, literally in our life, we can live abundant. We can rise above. We can smile even when there's not much to smile about and know that even in the darkest of nights, the dawn is coming and it's going to be good. And in all of it, we can live as a thriving entrepreneur. Thanks for being with me here today. I hope until we're together again next time that you're blessed, you're happy, you're safe, and that you have a great week. Thanks for listening to Thriving Entrepreneur today. If you want to get your question answered, send an email to questions at wehelpyouthrive.com. We look forward to you joining us again next time. who's on a mission, stand out with your brand out. 
<laughs> Check this out, guys. Yep, everything's marketing, and marketing is everything. Your existing book can become a best-selling book, or even, hey, like mine, a number one international best-selling book in five days. Listen, if your business isn't known by everybody, it's obscurity and that's death, right? The same thing is true for your book. If you're not happy with the way your book is performing, you got that far and then it just fell off the face of the planet kind of feeling, go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Schedule a talk with Steve. It's risk-free. It's guaranteed. It's proven. We've done it thousands of times. What are you waiting for? Yes, yourbestsellertoday.com. This time next week, you could have a beautiful seal on your book and get the attention that you deserve. Reach the people that you came to serve. Come on now. What are you waiting for? Grab a pen. Here we go. All you got to do is book a call, yourbestsellertoday.com. Go to yourbestsellertoday.com. Book a talk with Steve. It's proven. It's guaranteed. It's going to happen. All you have to do is say yes to your destiny. You are-